The Linux Reality Podcast is sponsored by O'Reilly Media, spreading the knowledge of innovators through its books, online services, magazines, and conferences. Visit them today at O'Reilly.com. Everybody, welcome back to Linux Reality. This is episode number ninety-eight, and I'm your host, Chess Griffin. And this episode, I've um, entitled it "Super Basic Shell Scripting." <laughs> and the idea is, I'm going to kind of just talk in a very generalized sense about shell scripts and you know what they are and how to make some very simple ones. I've got some some examples here of ones that I've used in the past uh, and just, you know, kind of go through them and explain some of the real basics. I mean, this is not going to be a programming class by any means. Uh, so, you know, don't worry about that. But um, but I do think that shell scripts are really helpful. And so, you know, I thought I'd take a few minutes here to talk about them. Did want to mention one thing up front, and that's about next week's episode, episode 99. It might be delayed a couple of days, maybe a week. Um, there's a possibility I'm going to have an interview and I'm still trying to, you know, schedule that if it, that may or may not happen. So uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. So if there's no episode next week, don't worry. That doesn't mean I've, <laughs> that doesn't mean I've just stopped and uh, it's just a little bit of a delay there. So, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. All right, let's talk about super basic shell scripting. Okay, well, what is a shell script? Uh, a shell script is a text file, and it is, uh, it's an executable text file. And at its very you know, basic level, it really is just a text file with a bunch of commands, one after another, you know, one line after, after another line, each line containing one command at its most basic. Uh, shell scripts are very common. Uh, lots of uh, you know tools and things that we all use at the command line are really just shell scripts that are placed in the in the bin directory. Uh, there's just you know many examples and there's thousands of, of resources out there on the website about shell scripts. And I'm going to put a, a small handful of them in the show notes to this. But uh, but basically a shell script you know like I said it's a text file so it's it's just a very easy thing to create and uh, it it really is just a list of commands. Now it can be a lot more than that. I mean, certainly, you know, it can be a more involved program. It can have a lot of very complicated things, but it can be very simple as well. And we're going to just talk about the simple things and I'll kind of point out a few things and maybe, uh, you know, folks can go and, and explore and learn some, some additional uh, skills on their own when it comes to, to uh, shell scripting. You really do not have to be a programmer at all to write very basic shell scripts. And I'll, I'll give you some real simple examples here of how they can make, uh, you know, uh, you know, how they can make your life a little bit better, how they could be helpful. Uh, so when you open up a shell script or when you start a shell script, uh, the very first line, it's called the shebang. And it has a hash mark and then an exclamation point and then a path to a shell. And lo lots of times you'll see it will say slash bin slash bash. And that's the path to the bash shell. It's in the bin directory on most Linux distributions. So uh, 
you know, in other words, this first line is going to be a path to the shell that will be used when this script is run. Now, I've talked about this in the past when talking about the BSDs and talking about just some other things. I've mentioned that there's lots of shells out there. Bash is certainly not the only one. There's the C shell. There's the, the Z shell. There's fish. Uh, there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. And certainly Bash is probably the most common, but it's certainly not the only one. So I think, from what I understand, a, a better convention, rather than using slash bin slash bash, is to use slash bin slash sh because sh is frequently um, a a um, a shortcut or a link to another shell. In fact, I've got a Linux machine up uh, right at the moment, uh, Slackware, and in the bin directory, uh, bin slash sh is a link to bash. So. By making uh, the shebang line read slash bin slash sh, it makes the script more portable. Because in other words, not every single machine may have bash or may not be in the same location. Obviously, if you use other uh, operating systems like the BSDs that list everything in slash usr local, then this first line might be slash usr slash local slash bin slash bash or zsh or what have you. So, so So the first line essentially defines the shell that will be used to run the script. Now, uh, it's common to uh, skip a blank line and then have a few lines of some comments, some introductory comments. Now, commented lines are those with a hash mark in front. Uh, those are ignored as far as the script is concerned. So it's a good idea to put a few, few lines, maybe your name, the date, your email, you know, an explanation of what the script is supposed to do, that kind of thing. Uh, and it, it's helpful for when you go back and look at the script much later to see kind of, you know, what you were thinking. And, all, you know, along those same lines, it's good to comment the script throughout, uh, maybe before each, you know, real line with, with a command or something, maybe have a comment just above it that explains what the next line does. And you can easily um, test out different things in a script. If something's not working, maybe, you know, oftentimes I'll make a copy of a line and comment one out, and then in the other one, I'll make a change. So I see both. So both are there. It's just that one is commented out and one is used. I do the same thing, by the way, when I edit config files and other scripts. I always try to leave you know, the, the default lines intact. I may just copy them and then comment out the original and then insert or make the changes on the copy. So you know the original is always there. But anyway... Um, you know, if you think about a shell script, uh, you know, as I said, it's it's often you know an easy way to think of it is basically a text file with a list of commands. So here's here's the first of my examples. Let's say, you know, if you have any kind of commands that you frequently run, and it's more than maybe just one command, it's helpful to put them into a script because then you can simply run the script and the script will run the commands. That's how basic this is. Uh, so here is a real simple example. Let's say you've got a directory in your home directory of stuff that you want to back up every night. And what you rather, what you actually want to do is you want to make a tarball of it first, make it smaller, and then copy it to another server. It could either either be another machine in your in your you know local network, or maybe even a, a machine off site. But you're going to use SSH to make that copy. And more technically, you know, more accurately, you're going to use SCP, which is Secure Copy, which is part of the OpenSSH uh, application package. SCP uses Copy CP over SSH. So uh, the idea is that first, you know, you've got to make sure you've got your SSH connection working to this machine. So this again, this can be another machine on your 
uh, you know, on your local network. It doesn't have to be an off-site machine or it can be off-site. But, you know, go back to that SSH episode. I talked about setting up SSH keys and putting your public key from your workstation onto the server uh, where you want to SSH to. And it, it would go into the .ssh slash authorized keys file. I won't get into that. That's all covered in that episode. But if you've got it set up such that you can SSH into the other machine without having to enter a password, then that's what you want to do. That's that's what this script uh, contemplates. So the idea is here that it, you know it's really going to be two lines. This is the way I envision it. The first line is going to be the line that makes the tarball of the directory that I want to make a tarball of. And the second line is going to be the SCP command. So rather than having to type all this out every single day or every week or what have you, I can just run the script, and the script does it all for me. So here's this example. I've got a little folder called scripts that I'm going to make a tarball of, and then I'm going to copy it over to another machine. So I've got slash, you know, I've got the shebang line, which is the... uh, uh, the, the hash mark and then the exclamation point slash bin slash sh. Skip a line, have a few comments, explain what it does. All right, then the first line, which is basically, this would be the command I would type in the terminal. Again, just think of a shell script as just a series of commands. So the way to make a tarball out of a directory, you would type the following. Tar space zcf space and then the name of the tarball. Now, it's a good idea to use paths, uh, your, your full path. So this is what I'm going to have. I'm going to have slash home slash chess slash scripts dot tar dot gz. In other words, that's the name of the tarball that I'm making, space, and then the name of the directory that I want to back up, slash home slash chess slash scripts. So that first line is going to make a compressed tarball, a dot tar dot gz file, out of my scripts folder, Okay. Easy. That's the same thing I would type in the command line, you know, in the terminal if I was just going to do it manually. All right, second line. Now I'm going to copy it over to another server. So I've got SCP space. Now if you have a different port, if you have SSH running on another port, you would type cap dash capital P and then the port number. But if you've left SSH running on port 22, then you don't need to enter anything. So I'm going to assume for the sake of discussion it's running on the normal port 22. So I've got SCP space slash home slash chess slash scripts dot tar dot gz. That's the tarball space. And then my username at the other machine name. So chess at server, let's say. And let's say I've got server defined the IP address, or you could use an IP. So I could say chess at 192.168.1.10. Let's say that's my server's IP colon, you got to have the colon there, and then the path and the tarball of where you want to save it. So I usually just do the tilde for home slash scripts.tar.gz. So I'll read that line again. SCP space slash home slash chess slash scripts.tar.gz space chess at 192.168.1.10 colon tilde slash scripts.tar.gz. Again, that's the command I would type in the terminal to copy that file over SCP to that other machine anyway. And then if I want, I can do a little echo line, a third line. Echo is sort of like print. So I have echo space, quote, done, (laughs) close quote. And that's it. Save the file. All right, make it executable. So you would type chmod space plus x. That makes it executable space, you know, backup dot 
sh let's say that's what i call this this text file this script doesn't really matter what you call it but you got to make it executable and i just have this script in my home directory let's say and i can just run it i can open up a terminal and write sh space uh, backup.sh if you know whatever the name of the script is that i just made and it will run and it will do the it'll first make the tarball then it will copy it over scp and then it will print done so it's a very simple way to aggregate commands in a single place, and that being the shell script. Now, if I wanted to run this every day, let's say, uh, as a backup tool, I could create a cron job entry. And again, we've, done, we've talked about cron before. I've talked about editing the cron tab file and making a cron job. So you would just make a cron job to run at 3 o'clock in the morning, let's say, and it runs this script. And... Uh, you know, you could in the cron job have separate cron jobs for each one of these commands to do the same thing, but it's just simpler to aggregate them into a script and then have the cron uh, run the script instead. Uh, so again, that's a very simple example, you know, and, uh, you know, very basic. There's lots of other things you could do. You could use rsync instead of tarball and then scp. There's lots of variations. This is just a just an illustration of the idea of making a shell script. Uh, I have a similar uh, script that I that I used to use uh, to uh, in Slackware. Whenever you add fonts, there's a three or four lines you have to run. You have to, I mean, different commands you have to run, like make font scale, make font dir, and then you have to run the fc dash ccache file. It's you know this is well documented all over the place in Slackware. Whenever you add fonts, the things you have to do. So I just put all those four commands in one little script called new fonts. And I just ran the script every time I added new fonts instead of having to remember those commands every time. So, again, that's a, just another simple example. Now, another thing, uh, or another element here of basic shell scripting is the idea of variables. Now, a variable is uh, when you want to uh, define something once and use that multiple times. So let me, here's, here's, a, here's an example. Let's say you're going to use a particular path many times. It's like slash home, slash chess, slash music. And you have that path for whatever reason many times in a script. Maybe it's, you know, you're copying and then you're backing up and you, you find yourself having to type that, that path many times. Well, rather than typing it many times, let's define a variable at the top and call it, and call it music dir, you know, music directory equals, and then I'll put the path there slash home, slash chess, slash music. And then throughout the script, wherever I have the path, instead of putting the path, I put the variable. Now, when you put the actual, when you use the variable, you have to prefix it with a dollar sign. So I'd have dollar sign music dir. And I can use that wherever I want throughout the script. The, the, the real reason for doing this is not so much saving typing in those places, but it's if you ever make a change, let's say, for example, I have a script that does something in that music dir, but now I want to copy the script and use the exact same script in a different directory called documents. Well, rather than having to go through the script and change music dir, you know, all over the place to documents, I just make the one change at the very top where I define the variable. And um, I could still call it music dir, I guess. But, I, but, you know, the point is, or if I change my music dir from one directory to another directory, I just change the path at the very top where I define the variable called music dir. Now, it's a custom to define variables with all caps. Uh, I don't think that's technically required. I, don't, I mean, the script will run without that, but that's just good, you know, good 
convention, I guess, because then you can quickly spot the variables through the script when you're, when you're kind of scanning through it. So here's an example of a simple example of using a variable. And this is probably an example where I don't even really need to use the variables, but I created this for the sort of, you know, purposes of kind of talking about it. This is a, a variation of a podcast of a, of a script that I do use. And it, what it does is it runs my version of bash Potter every night. Now I've talked about bash Potter. It's a great podcasting client written by link, uh, from the Linux Link Tech Show. He just created this awesome tool, and lots of people have extended it and created their own versions. And so I have my own version. And uh, so I have a script that what, what it does is I, I actually, one of the changes I made to my version of Bash Potter is I have it set to output, if I use the dash V um, switch, you know, when I run it, then it will print out messages it will tell you what it's doing if you don't put the dash v for uh, verbose then it's just silent so what i do is i have it set to um, use the verbose switch but i want to catch that in a log in a daily log so each day i can just look at this one log and see what bash potter downloaded the night before but i also want to be able to copy this daily log and append it onto a permanent log because if i go three days without checking my daily log well i don't want to lose that information so i I make a daily log, but then I also make a permanent log where each day the daily log is, you know, tacked on to the end. So I have a record going back, you know, several months. So here's what I have. And, um, you know, I have the, you know, first, of course, I have the line, the shebang. So it's hash mark, uh, exclamation point, slash bin, slash sh. Then I have a space and I have a few lines of some, you know, explanations. And then I have my first variable. I have two variables. And again, I don't really need necessarily need variables here, but, um, but this is what this is what I've done. I have daily log equals, you know, slash home slash chess slash daily log dot text dot txt. Then I have perm log on the next line for my permanent log. I have home slash home slash chess slash perm log dot text. All right. Now I skip another blank line. Now here's the command to run Bash Potter. I have it in a folder called in my home folder called bin. So I have slash home slash chess slash bin slash bash potter dot shell space dash V because I'm running it with that verbose switch. And then I use the greater than sign. And if you remember, we've talked about pipes and less than greater than the greater than sign means you're redirecting the output rather than going to the screen. I'm going to redirect it to something else. And that something else in this case is daily log. So I'm, I'm redirecting the verbose output from Bash Potter into the daily log. So once that runs, the daily log is going to have the output that Bash Potter, you know, spit out, which is what it downloaded that day. All right, so that's the, you know, that's the third line. The first two lines, I define the variables. The third line is running Bash Potter. The fourth line is very simple, cat, space, and then with a dollar sign, daily log, and I should have said on the previous line, I have to put dollar sign daily log. You have to use the dollar sign whenever you use a variable after it's defined. So the so this so this next line is cat space dollar sign daily log, and then two greater than signs, and then dollar sign perm log. And the two greater dollar uh, two greater than signs means you you append. So I'm appending what's in the daily log at the end of the perm log. So the perm log again each each day this is run, you know, the daily log is created and the daily log is then catted or con concatenated or added or, you know, um, appended to the end of the perm log. And that's it. 
So that's a very simple example. Like I said, I probably don't even really need to use the uh, variables there, but um, daily log is only used twice and permanent log is only used once. But for purposes of illustrating the idea of variables, I think this works and it works really well. And it's, again, I have this set up in a little script and this script is then run in a, in a cron job every night at 4 a.m. or something and it pulls down all the podcasts. And so each morning I just have this, I just check out my daily log, see what's downloaded and go from there. And if I skip a few days, I can just look at the perm log because everything is, is sort of saved permanently in the, in the perm log. Uh, okay, so here's a, another example. And this is a little bit longer example, but same basic idea. And this is the script I use to actually encode the Linux Reality podcast files. As I've mentioned in the past, what I do is I actually record in, in uncompressed WAV format, edit the file in, in uh, Audacity, and then I export it in WAV. Now, I don't use Audacity to create the ID3 tags or to create the MP3 or AUGs. And because for a couple of reasons. One is it, the tagging never seemed to work too well for me for some reason. The other reason is I like to sort of have more fine-grained settings than I have been able to get Audacity to do. And then lastly, I would have to you know, set Audacity to export an MP3, go away for a few minutes, and come back and then redo the export as an AUG. It's, it's more manual. So this is a perfect example of how a script is much easier and it's quicker, I think. Okay, so you know, if I once I output the WAV file from a from an episode into a particular folder, I have a I have a, uh, a a script that does the following, and I just copy the script into each directory where I save the WAV file. So here's the way, here's the actual script I use for episode ninety seven. Again, I have a bunch of variables in the beginning, uh, and I you know this is you know a little wordy I guess, but hopefully this will make sense. So the first and I'm not I have I have the shebang line of course. I have some introductory comments that explain what it does. So the first variable is input file equals and that's in, again input files in all caps because that's the the variable name I'm assigning to it equals and then I'll put the name of the wave file each week that I create. So Linux reality 097.wave. All right, next line is output file. And again, that's in all caps because that's the variable that I've just created equals Linux Reality 097. Now I don't put an extension there because later on when I do the AUG and the MP3 encodings, they add the um, the extension on automatically. So I have input file, output file. Then I have a variable called resample equals 44100. That's the resample rate I use. Bit rate equals 64. And then I have five or six ID3 tag variables. I have comment equals uh, date equals, title equals, album equals, artist equals, and genre equals. And each one of those, then I have quotes because it's text. Like for comment, I have, quote, a podcast for the new Linux user. Date, quote, 2008. You know, album, quote, Linux reality. Artist, quote, Chess Griffin. So I have, the t since it's text, I have to put those in quotes. But each one of those variables or names are in all caps. So comment, date, title, album, artist, genre. So I've defined six, seven, eight variables here at the, at the beginning of the script. So those, you know, you can kind of think of these variable definitions as just kind of setting things up. This is not really doing anything yet. Now, the actual script is just two lines. The first line, I mean, in terms of the run of the commands, the first line is, is uses the augenc command, O-G-G-E-N-C, which is the command line tool to create uh, an, you know, an aug encoded file. And the next line is uses lame, which is the program to, to make an MP3 file. And I use various command line switches with the variables that I created above 
uh, in the right place. Now, AUG, ANC, and LAME use different switches, and they have variables in different places, so it's not exactly the same. Um, but, you know, as an example, I have AUG, ANC, space, dash, O, which is the switch for output file. So I have dollar sign output file dot AUG, and that's telling it to, to save it as, you know, the output file variable with the AUG tag. And then I have dash dash resample, which is the resample command line switch. And then I have resample in all caps with a dollar sign because, I'm again, I'm, I'm substituting that variable for the 44100, uh, which is the, you know, that's the, that's the value I inserted for the resample variable. So I do a similar thing for both the AUG and the lame, uh, the MP3 encoding. And then all I need to do is edit really a couple of lines each time. I edit the input file, the output file, and the title. And then I just run the script, and I can walk away, and it does both encodings for me. And then when I come back 15 minutes later, they're both done, and that's all set. So, you know, it's a very simple example of, of making things, you know, making your life easier uh, by using a simple script. This is nothing, uh, certainly no rocket science, um, you know, by any means. It's just a really just a very simple way of automating something that you would otherwise do on the command line, you know, many times. Uh so that, that's really kind of the basics of shell scripting. Obviously, with shell scripting, you can do a whole lot more um, with any, with I would say, any programming language. Uh, with shell scripts, you can do, you know, if-then statements, meaning, you know, if something is true, then do this. Uh, and you can have an else, you know, or, you know, and then if it's, if it's not true, then do something else. You can have uh, for loops, um, you know, so you could have, you could say, you know, for each mp3 file in this directory do something and you can have while loops you know while something is true uh, do do something and that's often used with a counter so you can kind of do something say 10 times you can increment a counter you know counter plus one and it will go back it will keep doing it while um, the counter is less than 10 let's say uh, so there's a lot more things you can do in shell script. I'm not going to get into all of that, uh, but you know, if people are interested in programming and doing basic stuff like that, you can certainly learn a lot about it. Uh, there's one other thing I'll mention about uh, shell scripting and where to put these. Now I mentioned you yeah, got to make it executable. You can just put it in your home directory, of course, wherever you like. Another idea is that you can create a, a folder where you have all your executable scripts. And what I like to do is I like to create a bin folder. Just like you have USR bin or just slash bin for system binaries and system scripts, I like to have a slash home slash chess slash bin folder. And I put all my scripts in there. Then what I also do is I add that directory to my path environmental variable. Uh, so I open up my .bash rc file, and you should see a line that says path equals and you'll see a bunch of directories like USR bin, USR local bin. It just, it's again, just like in these shell scripts, it's setting up a variable. And in this case, it's called an environmental variable. Uh, and that variable is called path. And what path is, it's a, basically a, a, a listing of all the directories where um, executable files can be found. So in other words, when you go into a terminal and you just type a, a command like lame, you don't have to type the whole path because because it goes and looks for lame in the different directories located in your path. So what I do is in my .bashrc is I add at the end, I do a colon, and add my home bin directory. So I have colon slash home slash chess slash bin. 
And usually the next line of your .bashrc is export dollar sign path. And what I've done is I've just added, you know, another directory for the system to look in when I just type a, a name, you know, a command in the terminal. So if I had that backup.sh script, let's say, rather than having to type slash home slash chess slash backup.sh, if it's in my bin directory and my bin directory is in my path, then I can just type backup.sh and it will find it no matter where I am. Uh, so it's very cool stuff and it works really well. When you make that change, you might need to log out and log back in for that change in your path to, uh, to take effect, but uh, you should be good to go. So that is, you know, very high-level, basic discussion of Bash scripts and, and how I think they can be helpful. You know, several weeks ago, a listener, I think it was his name was Marty, sent in his, he has a script that he runs whenever he boots into his system, which is kind of, you know, a much more extensive use of a Bash script. But that's a great example of how you can extend something like this. I mean, there's, you know, you use Bash scripts, you can use them all the time. Here's one more example I just thought of. I've mentioned I use Conkey, which is that text, you know, um, base or that it's a system monitor and it basically prints on your screen. You know, you can set up a Conkey RC file and have it show you stuff like your swap and your memory and your CPU and all that kind of stuff. Well, when I use Conkey, I don't use it all the time, but when I do, I actually have three instances of Conkey running. I was telling someone in IRC recently that I had four and I went back and looked at my script and it was actually three, but what I do is, and so I have three different Conkey RC files because the Conkey RC file is where you set up the, you know, the colors and and what's displayed and that kind of thing. So I have one that does system monitor stuff, just like I described. I have one that displays RSS feeds, and I have one that displays the weather. And I put these in different locations on my uh, on my uh, desktop. So in my .xinit RC file, where I would normally just type Conkey with an ampersand to start Conkey. Well, in this case, I need to run three Conkeys because I need to have three different configuration files read. So I have those in a script. So I have a script that runs three different Conkeys. And in the bash RC file, I just, I just run the script. Uh, so again, I don't need to change my bash RC. I can tweak the script whenever I move to from one machine to another. And it, you know, and it works across different, you know, works across changes and it's very easy to maintain that way. So Things like that are great uses for scripts, and uh, you know I'm certainly no programmer. I've been hacking around in Python for a while now, but I certainly don't consider myself a programmer. And you know these little easy, simple Bash scripts can make anybody's life easier. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And I think with that, it's time to wrap it up for this week. Okay, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, high-level discussion of Bash scripts and hope you can see how they can be helpful and, um, you know, just play with them and try them out. If you find yourself doing something in the terminal many times, that's a perfect candidate for a really basic, a super simple Bash script. Uh, uh, so I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to contact me at linuxreality at gmail.com and be sure to drop by the forums on the Linux Reality homepage. And the IRC channel, been hanging out there a lot, chatting with folks. And just again, people keep asking me, but I just want to reiterate again, the, the website and the forms and the IRC are not going anywhere. Neither am I. So uh, don't worry about that. Please do feel free to hang out. It's been fun hanging out in IRC, talking to people. 
You can also go to linuxreality.com slash contact and send me an email or a voicemail. I'm still working on responding to everybody's emails, so uh, bear with me. There's been a, a whole lot of them. And please do consider sending me a you know a voicemail or an audio comment or call one of the listener hotlines. Call you know call me, leave a message if you want to say something. Uh, the the last episode is going to be a variety of things, including I'm not going to do any email, but I will play any uh, audio comments that come in. So I think it would be fun to hear from listeners. So if you want to send something in, please go ahead and do that in the next week or two. And uh, lastly, speaking of final episodes, as I mentioned in the front, episode 99 might be delayed. We'll just have to kind of wait and see how that goes. So, you know, do stay tuned for that. All right. I think that's going to do it for me. I hope you all have a good week and a good weekend. I'll catch you all later. This has been episode 98 of Linux Reality. See you later. Bye-bye.